The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you. Hello, Fire Whiskers. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Debt of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. And try to stay on topic. Which is easier said than done. Without further ado, here's this week's chapter of The Debt of Time. Hello, Kat. Hi. So today was my first day back in the office. Very excited. And I got to work at 6.30 because I need to leave at 3.30 because fuck traffic. Um, Plus, you know, I have to pick the kid up and all that fun stuff. But uh, when I got there super early, usually there's not a lot of people there. And there was like one person sitting in the area that I wanted to sit in. And she was like, hi, I'm And I was like, hi, nice to meet you. I'm so-and-so. Literally 15 seconds into it, we were like, you're ADHD. I'm ADHD. How are you doing, friend? And uh, oh, my God. Nobody sat next to us because the two of us were just ticking and like just fucking like bouncing, spinning in our chairs. It it felt kind of like what you would expect boys to do in kindergarten. And it was great because I didn't have to mask around her because she had mentioned she was like, do you feel like your symptoms got worse in the last couple of years? I was like, yes, they did. You know why? Because we didn't have to fucking mask for two years. So we didn't have to think, oh, this is not a socially acceptable behavior. I had this whole thing with my therapist about it because she was like, yeah, no, we're seeing a huge uptick of people getting diagnosed because their symptoms are getting worse because for two years they weren't around other people. And those social triggers that remind you not to do the weird thing uh, we're gone. So you were just around your family and you're weird around your family and you're comfortable around your family. So all of your tics came, became part of your normal day-to-day thing. And when you go back to the office, you don't realize how weird you've gotten because it's been slowly progressive over the course of two years. And then suddenly you're in person again and you're a fucking weirdo because yeah. all of the social cues that you learned that taught you to not be a weirdo, like in fifth grade, I did <laughs> once before a test. And my teacher looked at me weird because I was sitting right next to her and she's like, don't do that. And I was like, okay. And in my head, I went, okay, don't make weird noises. <laughs> and from then on, if I wanted to make a weird noise, I would either do it quietly and like whisper it or like do the mouth movements and not actually make the sound. Or I would play it in my head. And then when I was alone and not around people, I would do it. I haven't had to do that because I'm home alone 90% of the time. So I'm just like, or I do that all the time. Or Aegon, 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 Aegon. Fucking constantly. And it's people who knew me pre-COVID are like, are you fucking okay? Like, did you go off the deep end? No, I've always been like this. I just did it in my head. And nobody ever... I had the opposite problem. Yeah. Because Brianna made me more social. And then she left me. And then I was like, crap, there's no one for me to talk to or hang out with. And then once I got around people, I was like, 
hi, I want to talk to you about anything and everything because I've only been around a couple people and I need to be social because I never used to be like this, but now I am because I used to stay at home and do nothing. And now I like people sometimes. Sometimes. But I I do. The biggest thing I miss about masking is that my face no longer has an inside voice. And so when people piss me off, it is very clear on my face because it used to be that they couldn't see the grimace of hate and now they can. But Yeah. Well, that's why it's working out for me because the issues that I'm having at work since I'm still masking my face, I can make faces and no one sees me. <laughs> Yay! I feel like that's probably helping you at work because you've got a great stank face. Like you yeah, well, and you never you never tried to cover it up. You always wore your stank face very loudly. And when I would be like cat people can tell what you're thinking based on your facial expressions you're like good then i don't have to tell them (laughs) or like when i would give you a shot that you didn't like and you would make the face and i'm like cat no play it cool and you're like no it's gross (laughs) you you don't care about hiding anything from people you're like no 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 no. let them read my face loud and clear once i stop wearing it it's gonna be a problem probably (laughs) because i told my dad yesterday i was like i think i'm gonna wear it until the end of the year and then after christmas i think i'm gonna reevaluate and see how i feel even though i'm scared but that's like it, it, that's gonna be very interesting for me to be like have a face <laughs> hi i smile like this mm. yes and people are gonna be like huh <laughs> but yeah I, i'm a mouth breather and sometimes <laughs> when i smile really big i look like a horse because my gum show But that's how I can tell when you're, like, actually happy and you're not doing the smile that your mom taught you to do for fake, like, the fake smile. Because you have your fake smile and then you have your real smile. And that's how I can tell if Kat's, like, actually happy or if she's just pretending. Yes. And then after I stop wearing it, I'm going to have to remember how to do makeup again. Like, I don't remember. Like, the few times that I've actually, like, put it on for stuff, I was like... I don't think I remember how to do this. And by the way, did you know foundation expires? Yes. Mine expired. I didn't know it expired. And I didn't know what my shade is because I'm illiterate with that stuff. And the stuff that I have, you can only get at Sephora. And I couldn't get it in time for my cousin's wedding. So I had to go to Walgreens and try to match my shade. And I bought three different kinds because I couldn't tell. You're a cool you're definitely a cool color. Well, it was weird because back when I was hanging out with the hippie a lot, I was in the sun a lot, so I was a little bit darker. Mm. But now that I'm Casper again, I don't know what shade I I'd put you at like a cool, not a cool medium, but maybe like a cool, whatever's but light, cool light. There we go. Because I'm a neutral light. But anyway, uh, we are we are going to get into the dead of freaking time, but Kat did request one tangent because we tried to do this episode once before and then my child turned into a banshee and we couldn't. Um, teething is fun. I hate everything. Um, so by the time this airs, midterms will have already happened. In fact, it is tomorrow and I've already talked to my boss and she's cool with me leaving work a little bit early so I can go vote. Woohoo! Hope you all did. Those of you who live in the States, that is because... Uh, I am firmly of the belief that you cannot complain if you're not voting because he yikes. <laughs> well, 
I early voted, and for the Good first for time in my life, I used my own brain. I am very proud of I you. I don't know if I did the right thing, but I used my right my brain, yes. yes. And you, I did you, everything you that Claire your, told your... me to do for the amendments, because those I, things are confusing AF. Yes, I struggled to pull those. I'm still working on the freaking... There's one in Tennessee, and it. I, I don't get why it's a thing. It's about who succeeds the governor if he's inc- incapacitated. I'm trying to figure out why they're suddenly changing this in 2022, but... Um, yes. I am but very proud people, of Tennessee. I, I at myself. I really hope yeah. that I get to be proud of Tennessee on Tuesday night, because we are voting to get rid of the loophole that the 13th Amendment has, which says that you cannot force labor of any person unless they are incarcerated for uh, because they have been convicted of a crime. Mm. So it is, it's, I don't want to call it slavery because it's not chattel slavery. We're not going out and like scooping people out of foreign countries and selling them on a market. But prisoners in America are used for labor and are paid like a dollar or two an hour instead of minimum wage. And I think that's disgusting because you're already serving your debt to society by losing your freedom. We don't need to exploit you for labor as well because that just leads to more people being incarcerated for cheap labor. And I think that's gross. So I will be voting to remove that from the Tennessee uh, constitution, which will go from saying that it is okay to force labor for uh, people convicted of a crime to saying that you cannot force labor from anyone ever for any reason. So I really hope that I get to be proud of Tennessee on Tuesday night. Well, we I see. hope I get to be proud of Florida and I don't have to ever hear DeSantis's name ever again. <laughs> can't stand that butthead. Anyway, but no, the reason we bring up politics, which we try not to do terribly often, is because there's a politician in New York who, he's a congressional candidate. I think it's state Congress. It might be actual Congress. I'm not sure. But he is running on a pro-sex work platform in that he believes sex work should be legal and, you know, monitored so that we can do testing for STDs and uh, women and men who work in uh, sex work will not be afraid to go to cops if they are assaulted or robbed or any of that kind of stuff for fear of being arrested for prostitution, Um, which I am very for. Like, yes, absolutely. You do your thing, dude. The thing I have issue with is that <clears throat> to promote this, he released a sex tape of him with a professional pornographic actress. And it is him in the sex tape. And I'm like, I mean, you're practicing what you preach, but... And when I got this article, it was sent to the Millennial Illuminati group chat, which is much larger than the actual podcast. And one of the guys was like, what in... The, fuck what's that word photos that are stock photos he was like what in the stock photo is this they just look for like an extraordinarily hot woman and an awkward aging caucasian man and i'm like buddy that's not a stock photo and he's like and he texts back like two seconds later he's like oh my god it's him in a sex tape and i was like yes yes it is but it, it, it's a bold strategy cotton we'll see if it works for him i don't think it will but uh for for those of you who are not american we're not okay (laughs) we're not okay there's a lot happening but anyway 
that's enough about politics. I am very much looking forward to not hopefully hearing about them much until the presidential thing kicks up in a year. <laughs> but what is more important right now is what had happened was. Yeah. And this is going to be like all over the place because I didn't write it down. I only remember bits and pieces. And I, even though I'm looking at it right now, like, and that's yeah. Fine. So from what I remember, apparently Draco and Pansy Parkinson like got engaged or something. Were previously engaged. Oh, previously engaged. Okay, got it. And then Laurel showed up again. So that was fun. Love her. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that I remember that, and then, um, <laughs> yeah, so Sirius was having dreams, I guess, mm-hmm. and he was, like, dreaming about, the, like, the past and the future and the present, I guess. He was having some, uh, some dreams there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wasn't he? I thought we read something about him having some dreams. I now need to go back and... Or maybe it wasn't, like, sleeping dreams. Maybe it was just, like, dream big kind of dreams. Hold... hold oh, wait. That's not what I wanted. That's a spicy romance novel. Well, I mean, this is also oh, spicy and then, Oh, and then Harry made breakfast, and that's when I made the comment that he has to season his eggs, because that's why they're not good. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, and then that bitch Rita Skeeter. Oh, yes. All, all that crap about Hermione and, like... There we go, there we go, there we go. All of that unicorn crap because it's magic we say unicorn crap Mm -hmm. because there are no bulls in the wizarding world (laughs) yeah so then i guess like she made like this huge list of like what was all those people like the tom riddle and the pita pettigrew and like all that stuff like what was that list supposedly it's the people she wants revenge on oh okay yeah so then i guess hermione has like a revenge list or something it's very Arya stark which you wouldn't get because you haven't watched Game of no. Thrones, but it's fine. It, it's no, it's okay. It, no. You can. The first four seasons were masterpieces, and then it just became a constant point of disappointment. Yeah, but the thing is, is I have no desire to watch it. It does not interest me, and that's fine. I have no desire. That's fine. It doesn't appeal to like, everybody. I I enjoyed it, but again, that's my cup of tea. But yeah, no. So the last four on the list of people because everybody else was already killed it was tom riddle peter pettigrew bellatrix lestrange lucius malfoy albus dumbledore last alistair god i do that every time alistair moody fenrir Greyback, anton and dalahov bartamius crouch and then the ones who are alive are dolores umbridge cornelius fudge vernon petunia does dursley dursley and rita skeeter oh right for those who are not in the facebook group and were not privy to this conversation um it is much improved now but as you are all well exhaustingly aware, I've been figuring out how to treat my ADHD. I think we have finally found a combination that works, may possibly bump up the dosage, but Concerta and I do seem to be working. I am able to focus with it. The issue is that it, like Adderall, uh, causes something called Adderall tongue, which means you just constantly chew on your tongue. Now, I've managed to combat that by drinking more water because the chewing and the sucking on the tongue is caused in part by dry mouth. So if you have this, drink more water. Um, Unfortunately, it caused something called serrated tongue, which means the sides of my tongue look like a serrated knife because of how hard I was chewing them. And um, that made it very hard to talk. So I am still a little lispy right now, 
because my tongue is still fucking swollen and um it's really weird to talk about my tongue this much but it uh it is much better than it was i don't have fucking multiple canker sores all over it which is nice but that is part of what's been delaying episodes is that i have been chewing the ever-living shit out of my tongue all day every day and at night so uh (laughs) but at least i can focus (laughs) Oh, by the way, we got to talk about that message that we got from that listener because you and Hannah Beth wouldn't answer that because you said we would talk about it when we record and I want to know. Fuck it. Let's just handle it now. What was the message? I'm going to send it to you because I don't want to read it. Okay. God damn it. Even now, like my tongue is just sitting between my teeth. Good God. Okay. Um. It's a little bit <clears throat> stumbly. All right. I like that it starts with, she smokes, she shags, what else should we know? Internally screaming, she gives good orchard. Love that. Um, If the original founders of Hogwarts didn't use indoor plumbing, why did they have pipes? And also, since Harry knows Parseltongue, why the hell did they hold the DA in the Room of Requirements instead of in the Chamber of Secrets where no one can get in? More importantly, why the fuck didn't the basilisk, I don't know, bite kill uh, the Horcrux? So, uh, to address number one. In original founders, Hogwarts, no indoor plumbing. Yes, we... The author who shall not be named, who really needed to stop adding random shit about magical lore, said that in the olden days, witches and wizards would just go where they were standing and, like, literally shit their britches and then just vanish it away. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm like, there's, there's certain shit, literally, that we did not need to know. Thank you. Um, my assumption is that Hogwarts would adapt as things came. It's a fucking magical building. If you want to magic in pipes so that you have a working fucking, you know, bathroom, so be it. That to me makes sense. Um, so I think that's probably how that happened. Sort of rumor for requirement E, um, it would just adapt. I'm assuming there's a lot of transfiguration in there. Um, in terms of, since Harry knew Parcel Tongue, why didn't they hold the DA in the um, Chamber of Secrets? So if you remember to get in the Chamber of Secrets, you had to slide down. Um, getting back up was something of a problem, so I think that would probably play a role. Um, I also think that there would be an issue if a lot of people saw a lot of boys suddenly going into the girls' room. Um so that, that to me, and then disappearing, um, that would be an issue. The, the, you couldn't, I don't think you could close the sinks once you were in there. So if the fucking umbridges bitches, um bitches, if you will, um, followed them into the bathroom, they would have been able to go down the slide and get in there. Um, and then as for why the basilisk bite into Harry didn't kill the horcrux within him, Phoenix tears. Phoenix tears heal things. In order for Harry to get rid of the Horcrux, the the vessel for the Horcrux has to be destroyed. So in the case of it being Harry, he would have had to have died, which he did in the seventh book, eighth movie. He did actually die. That's why he saw Dumbledore in weird platform nine and three quarters heaven with gross baby Dumbledore that was the Horcrux. Um, but Harry did actually die. And then came back. So because he was dead, that was able to kill the Horcrux. With the Basilisk Venom, 
he didn't die. Therefore, the Horcrux was not destroyed. So there we go. Now, without further ado, chapter 140, comeuppance. That's a fun word to say. Okay. Francisco. <laughs> October 19th, 1998. One would expect that after years of working in the journalism industry, Rita would have gained some sort of radar, or, from her animagus form, feelers, to detect threatening presences. However, her pride was just apparently too great. Without recognizing that she was obviously being threatened, Rita invited Maya into her office. Oh, that's right. She'd gone to, um, uh, yeah, to recap what Kat said, um, there was a bit about Hermione in the Daily Prophet where they were talking about how Hermione scooped Sirius Black after breaking the hearts of Harry and Draco. Um, and then she went to go see Rita at the Daily Prophet and Sirius and Remus are freaking out because they think she, they know she went after her. Okay. So. Yeah. And then she's going to ask Rita if she can swim. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, Without recognizing that she was obviously being threatened, Rita invited Maya into her office. She was under the impression, of course, that the witch standing before her was none other than Hermione Granger, the sweet little muggle-born who fought for house elf rights and stood as a beacon of hope and change next to Harry Potter. Sure, Hermione had kidnapped Rita in her animagus form and stored her in a glass jar for a few weeks, only to blackmail her later, but clearly things had changed. Rita was now a best-selling author, more famous than ever, and she was absolutely not afraid of Hermione Granger. That was a dire mistake. Maya's focus moved around the large office that was made to feel much smaller due to the number of trophies and awards that plastered the walls. Some were real, of course, as no one could deny that Rita had a way with words that enticed readers. Had she decided to sit down and pen fictional novels, she would very likely be deliriously rich. Unfortunately, the woman relied on deception and lies to gain her wealth and fame. I'm curious, with the success of your books, Maya said, glancing to the side where several pre-autographed copies of Golden Trio, Young Love, and War were stacked on the edge of Rita's desk. How come you're still even bothering to write for the prophet? Rita shrugged and took a seat opposite Maya, entirely calm and collected and showing her abundant, luck, er, abundant lack of intimidation. The daily prophet is delivered by Owl twice a day. If anything, it's free advertising for my books. I have no idea what Rita's accent was last week, so sorry, guys. Maya observed several of Rita's awards. You've done well for yourself. I have, thank you, Rita said, her words almost sounding genuine, which they might have been, considering that the scandal she had written about Hermione Granger's love life had provided the wretched reporter with attention-grabbing material. Who cared about important things like ministry corruption and Death Eater sightings when the supposed girlfriend of Harry Potter went to the Yule Ball with a Quidditch star? Maya could not really fault the readers, though she remembered the cold shoulder that Molly had given her after the articles in which Weekly had gone public. After all, with rumors of Voldemort on the rise again, it must have been easier to distract oneself from the horrors of the approaching war rather than face it head-on. Of course, she, Harry, and Ron had not had the luxury of distractions like that, not at the forefront of everything, where they always ended up. She wondered who would actually read the truth. Would people care more about the fact that she had been tortured than the lies about her love life? 
Would they turn a blind eye to the fact that two ministers for magic had ignored the threats to their world and instead eagerly eat up the gossip surrounding the men Hermione Granger associated with? Maya sighed, abundantly grateful that she no longer cared what people thought about her. The ring on her finger reminded her that, once news of hers and Sirius's engagement, and her true identity, got out, she might not have to worry about rumors regarding Harry, Ron, and Draco anymore. Perhaps you should be thanking all the victims of war that you've exploited, Maya said calmly, not even making eye contact as she looked over a framed photograph of Rita standing among the Triwizard Champions several years ago. Fleur looked annoyed, Cedric politely smiled, and Harry and Victor both looked uncomfortable, especially Victor, who was grimacing as Rita gripped his bicep and winked at him. You can leave me off the list, if you please. I hardly care what drivel you write about me these days. Maya waved her hand at the papers, as though they were nothing more than slightly bothersome clutter. Only the completely ignorant would ever think that I had a grand love affair with Draco Malfoy, but... Then again, there were plenty of idiots who believed your lies about me and Harry. And Sirius Black, Rita asked, pushing a copy of the Diagon Alley photograph to the edge of her desk, looking like she was eagerly waiting for the usual reactions accompanying the discovery of an affair to appear. The gasp, the flush, the shifting of eyes, all descriptions to add to her first draft follow-up article about the pair of scandalous lovers that was sitting in the drawer. Am I lying about this? Maya smiled down at the photo, watching herself and Sirius embrace and kiss. Thank Merlin for giving me this man. He is beautiful, she thought. A picture is worth a thousand words, they say. It is too bad this picture comes with your words. And really, you do have a tendency to ramble. She looked up at Rita and pursed her lips together, staring at the witch with something akin to pity. Any good reporter could have said the same thing you did in half as many words. Rita briefly narrowed her eyes, but Lia's lack of denial over the photograph had clearly sparked intrigue, and soon she was reaching for her quick-quote squill that began fluttering immediately behind her in the air, scribbling quickly against the, a pad of parchment. So you're confirming, then, you and Sirius Black are lovers. Maya rolled her eyes dramatically, her thumb casually playing with the opal ring on her left hand. She was sitting now, though, hands resting in her lap and out of view of Rita's penetrating gaze. Sirius Black and I are so much more than anything your simple mind could even begin to imagine. For instance, he loves me so much that, at my simple request, he would very literally tear your throat out with his bare teeth teeth, which I can attest are quite sharp, she said, pleasantly remembering the way he bit and nibbled at her neck just that morning. I doubt his bite would be as delightful for you as it is for me. Rita might as well have been drooling. She was so obviously thirsty for the gossip. As for how I feel about Sirius, she took a deep breath and let it out with a long sigh, watching as the quick quotes quill scratched constantly against the parchment behind the salivating reporter. I love Sirius Black so much that, while I care very little for being labeled a fame-seeking, gold-digging whore, I do take serious issue with you labeling him a lascivious degenerate. The quick quotes quill stilled for a brief moment when Maya's voice and stare turned cold, and it looked as though Rita was contemplating something. 
Maya hoped she was contemplating fear. It would make things a lot easier and a great deal more fun. And exactly how old were you when your association with Mr. Black began? Rita asked. There it was. The implication was insulting to Sirius and offensive to Maya, regardless of the dreams she used to have as a teenager spending holidays at Grimwald Place with a sleeping Sirius Black only doors away from her. Neither had ever acted on it until she was definitely of age, or when they were both underaged. Time and age mean nothing to me, Maya said firmly. Had you been less of a treacherous bitch, I might have offered you the story of a lifetime. War, betrayal, murder, sex, love that goes beyond the bounds of time and death. Unfortunately, you have severely pissed me off one too many times, and even the overused idea of blackmail hasn't stopped you, so I hardly think we'll be best friends now. She stood quickly, aiming her wand over Rita's shoulder, and blasting the quick quotes quill into tiny shards, the parchment burnt to a crisp. Her face scrunched up an expression of rage, and Rita's eyes widened in panic at the missing wand she normally kept in the pocket of her robes. She looked up to see Maya smirking at her, ash wand in one hand, vinewood in the other. Rita hissed at the sight of her wand in the hands of another. How did you... Maya used her vinewood wand to summon a glass jar from her purse. At the sight of the container, Rita took a step back. I don't think so, Missy. You think I'm stupid enough to shift in front of you so you can capture me again? She laughed loudly, too loud to sound normal, perhaps hoping it would draw attention from a potential rescue party. And do you think I'm not smart enough to force you? Maya asked. What was it the papers have been calling me lately? In addition to opportunistic hussy, of course. Brightest witch of the age? I imagine that someone bearing that moniker would know how to force Nanomagus into their form. It's newt-level transfiguration, but we all know that I've been a bit of an overachiever. Rita paled. What? It's a simple spell. I'm surprised most anime guy don't learn it. I had it used on me once by a dear friend, she said, thinking of her defense Newt with Remus, the dirty cheat. You're an, an animagus? Yes, for years now. How long did it take you to learn how to do it? Maya asked Rita, breaking out in a haughty grin when the other witch gave her a bitter glare. I hadn't even taken my OWLs yet. Now, back to this amusing little charm. It's very simple. See? Just a wave of the wand. Rita flinched and covered her head in an attempt to protect herself while screaming, You wouldn't dare! Maya chuckled at the sight of the terrified and yet still a stubborn reporter. Well, not right away, no. If I shift you into your tiny bug self, then I don't get to see you cry when I do this she said, and aimed her wand at the stack of golden trio books, setting them on fire. You can't do that! I'll call the Aurors! Maya sat back down in the chair, crossing her legs at the ankles. No hurry, dear, she said casually, turning her head only when the door to the office burst open to reveal a wand holding Harry Potter, followed by Sirius and Remus. Oh, look, the Aurors have arrived. Harry stared at Maya, eyes filled with worry, despite the fact that she was reclined in the chair opposite the desk. Rita Skeeter was screaming and trying to put out a fire in the corner without a wand. Hermione, what are you doing? I think it's fairly obvious. I'm lodging a complaint about Miss Skeeter's article. 
She twirled her vinewood wand in one hand, tossing the ash wand to Sirius. Narcissa, Laurel, and I worked very hard to get Draco's engagement the attention it needs, and it was pushed aside so easily. Plus, I look awful in that photograph. Sirius grinned at her as he pocketed Rita's wand. I think you look lovely. She smiled up at him. You're biased. Harry stared down between the two, incredulously, turning back to gape at Remus, who only shook his head. His silent, I told you so, hung in the air. Rita, using the distraction, attempted to make a break for the door, but Maya raised her wand with incredible speed, cutting her off mid-step. Love, Remus said calmly. I know you're upset about the article. Remus, stop talking to me like I'm going to kill the woman, Maya said, not breaking eye contact with the seething reporter. You do have a bad temper when it comes to protecting. I'll have you know, Remus Lupin, it's been years since I've even thought about using an unforgivable on someone, she said, drawing a gasp from Skeeter and a wide-eyed stare from Harry. So, wait, if you're not here to kill her, then what are you doing? Harry asked cautiously. Maya turned back and looked at Rita coldly. I'm simply making a point, she said, and flicked her wand. Avis! Oh, shit, Harry muttered, likely recalling the spell from her sixth year. Maya knew that Ron still bore the tiny pecked scars on his hands and arms from the attack. However, instead of tiny yellow birds, large black crows emerged from her wand. Those aren't canaries, Remus whispered. A pugno, Maya hissed, and the murder of blackbirds circled over Rita and then dove down to attack. Harry, ever the hero, was the only one to move to help. Before he had a chance to act, Maya had banished the birds, though she had allowed them to get in a few good pecks. As promised, Skeeter was crying, screaming obscenities and calling Maya a mud-blood cunt, but crying nonetheless. It was not blood and death Maya had been after, but fear and humiliation, the same thing Rita had so often made her feel in the past. With a satisfied expression, Maya reached for the glass jar waved her wand in the intricate pattern that she had picked up from Remus years ago, and summoned the suddenly small beetle into the container. Hermione, I'm still an oar, Harry said, his jaw clenched, and a look on his face that said he was not sure how he had ended up being the rule-abiding one in their friendship. I can't just... You just attacked someone! No, Harry, I've captured an illegal animagus. Maya corrected him, tossing the glass jar through the air and watching in amusement as he caught it. Granted, it took some effort to get her to cooperate, and my methods might have come on a bit strong, but there she is. Take her to the ministry. He stared blankly at her in obvious confusion. You're not blackmailing her? Of course not. I tried that once, and she couldn't keep her mouth shut for more than a few years. Fool me once, shame on you. Harry sighed and rubbed at the scar on his forehead. Maya knew that it no longer hurt since he killed Voldemort, but in times of stress, rubbing the lightning-shaped mark had become a habit. Hermione, if I take her to the ministry to be charged, isn't that, I don't know, a little hypocritical of you? Why? Maya asked as she walked over to the group, kissing Sirius's cheek in greeting and taking Rita's wand from his grip so she could slip it into Harry's pocket. Sirius and I are legally registered anime guy. Have been for two decades. What? Sirius and Remus both asked, surprised. 
I worked at the ministry. You seriously thought that I wouldn't take into account that part of our future and create a failsafe? I registered Jamie, too. Not Peter, though. Shame, she said, her nose twitching. Then I filed away the paperwork and put a time-delayed sticking charm on it. I imagine our files have been stuck on the inside of the Anime Guy registry file cabinet for quite a few years. Should have fallen down by now. Either way, the papers would be easy enough to summon if someone needed proof. Merlin's pants, Remus stared at her, gobsmacked. You're brilliant. Sirius grinned suggestively, stepping forward so that he could wrap his arms around her waist. Would you mind terribly much if I just took you home and... She laughed and pushed against his chest. Actually, I would. We've one more stop to make before I'm done with Miss Skeeter and these interesting articles she's been writing. This is the third and final week of the Black Family Ring Sale with Beating Kit Kat. You can get a Shia-approved opal ring just like Grandmother Black's or Lily's engagement ring. You can also get one of her Patronus pendants or a Can You Swim pendant. Remember the Harry Potter fan in your life and use FWH Pod at checkout so that you can get your Fire Whiskey exclusive discount. See the Facebook group for the link. So I realized the other day that um, I have three sets of Crocs and two of them are fully decked out in Halloween stuff. And uh, it's no longer Halloween, so I had to get new charms. I'm quite excited. So I got, for Thanksgiving, yeah. I, it's the uh, turkey head from Friends with the sunglasses and the fez. Um, I got, for Christmas, I got Max from The Grinch, because I love my dog Max, who was named after the dog from The Grinch. I don't actually know that for a fact, but I'm assuming. Um, I got one that says, oh fudge, with the hat and the glasses that are broken from, you'll shoot your eye out, you'll shoot your eye out. And then my final Christmas one is Voldemort in a Santa hat. Nice. Um, I also did get uh, Remus and Lupin, very excited, and Felix Felicis, and the house from Up, and you're my person. I'm very excited. You know what? Huh? Am I making you I want Crocs? Like cro no, I have Crocs. It's just like, I feel like they've gotten cooler. Yeah. Than they were when they first came out. Well, yeah, because like, I feel like when we were in high school, they were kind of like socially acceptable. And then they became the shoe equivalent of having herpes and nobody wanted to wear them. <laughs> and now they've come back. And now like, there are these tan ones that, like, I must have seen 50 fucking TikTok videos of people going, fall Crocs. And, like, these ugly-ass tan Crocs that, like, were flesh-colored. And I'm like, who wants shoes this color? But apparently a lot of people did. Um, actually, I think it's beige. But uh, it looked like skin. So, <laughs> but I can't say much because I have black ones that have the fuzzies inside. And then I have the white ones. And then I have my teal ones that are covered in flamingos. Yeah, like, I have two pairs, and I haven't worn them in, I don't even know They're how long. They're so freaking comfortable. I use, I use the white pair as house shoes, oh. because I'm old, and walking on hard floors all day hurts my knees and my feet, so I wear Crocs in the house. Okay. 
but I have good arch support and the little bumpies feel like they're massaging my feet. Okay, well, you have inspired me. Maybe I will bust out my Crocs yeah. and start wearing them again. Oh, man. Because I do have a set that has charms on them. Like, I think they're like kitties or something. I forgot. Cute. Love it. Because I think they're, what are they? Are they like, I forget if they're purple or teal, but the strap is a different color. Ooh. Fancy. Yeah, I, for, I forget. Oh, here was my shower thought the other day. Um, and by shower thought, I mean MRI thought. Also, for those of you who follow me on TikTok, um, Hannah's going to kill me because I'm moving around. Um, I had to get an MRI last week on my knee. Nothing out of the ordinary. I just, I have had surgery on my knee previously and then I, you know, damaged it again in the army and it's been last time I got an MRI was 2014. So they were like, we should probably do another one to see if it's still fucked up. Um, so anyway, got an MRI the other day, but when I showed up to the appointment at the time, the text message told me to, they weren't there. And then I ended up hanging out for like a half hour until, because they like weren't open. There was no cars there. And then the tech finally showed up, but there's this like string of videos. And when I get upset, I get Southern. And it's because I, you know, live in this area. And usually when I'm talking to my neighbors and jaw jack and it's us, you know, bitching and complaining about stuff. So that's, and they're both from Mississippi and Arkansas and the one from Arkansas, her family's from Mississippi. So like they've got deep South accents. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, Y'all, I got a text message. It said my MRI was supposed to be at 7.30. I showed up at 7.30. There's nobody here. I walked around the dang parking lot. There's no one in here. I can hear the MRI machines on. And I just, daggum, I just been walking around. And there's nobody here. And I'm pissed off. And now it's starting to rain. And like this whole thing. And I just get like more and more upset and more and more Southern. And then like it, at one point I'm just like, all right, this is just my life now, I guess. I'm waiting until eight o'clock. And somebody was like, what the accent change? And I'm like, yeah, I went back to my podcast voice. Uh, I'm going to mimic what, if I talk to Kat, I'm going to talk the way I did growing up. But like between my husband having a twang and living in Tennessee for four years and in Virginia with surrounded by Southerners, which I was in Northern Virginia, but there are a lot of Southerners in my classes and stuff. But like, I've been surrounded by Southern people for the better part of six years and it does start to affect your speech a bit. So like actually outside of the podcast, when I'm talking to people in this town, this is kind of how I talk. Like this is my actual accent now. It goes away when I talk to Kat because I don't have it, but it gets real bad, man. And I think I talked about that a little bit last week, but it got real bad this weekend. Anywho, we're almost... Shit, I gotta charge my headphones. Okay. <laughs> I got to finish this story so I can go to bed because I got to wake up at 4 a.m. Uh, I got to wake up at 6.30. Gross. I like how you're an hour ahead of me and I still somehow have to wake up earlier than you. That's some bullshit. My drive is shorter than yours. That is fair. My drive is like an hour. Um, all right. Back into the story. The sitting room of the Daily Prophet office was clean and quiet. Tacky art hung on the walls between framed articles from years past. Most had photographs of Harry in them. When the supposed owner of the paper entered the room, Maya watched as his focus fell on Harry first. What kind of accent do I want to give him? <clears throat> Mother of Merlin, he said gasping. Harry Potter in my offices. Good afternoon, Mr. Potter. 
Stepping forward to grip Harry's hands in both of his, he grinned as he shook it wildly. Such an honor. Such an honor. Sirius rolled his eyes, and Remus smirked at the way Harry's face flushed at the attention, awkwardly returning the greeting with a quiet, yeah, uh, hi. And Hermione Granger and Sirius Black, the man said, turning his attention to the couple, gaping at the sight of their joined hands, seemingly thrilled by the confirmation of their relationship. He did not acknowledge Remus, who looked perfectly content with being ignored. Could I trouble any of you for a photograph? Uh, interview, maybe. Oh my god, this accent is killing me. Love you. I feel like he just needs to be like, yeehaw! <laughs> Sirius scowled angrily, doing nothing to hide his distaste. I think you've been printing enough of our names lately. Thanks. Maya patted his arm gently. Now, Sirius, let's not be rude to Mr... She turned her attention back to the man. Cuff, the man said, introducing himself. Barnabas Cuff, Miss Granger, editor and owner of the Daily Prophet. He put his hands in his pockets. I'm breaking cat. I can see her in the background. I'm sorry, but this is killing me. And it's like, it's kind of reminding me of some movie. And I can't think of who the actor is right now. And it's going to drive me nuts. I know he's a bigger guy with a great mustache. And I can't think of who he is, but yes. Yeah, I, I can't either. Because it's like, it's kind of between something I can't think of right now. And the guy in Legally Blonde 2 who Bruiser gets with when they're like, your dogs are gay. That guy. The guy that has the Rottweiler, whatever he is. I forget that actor's name, but you sound like him in that movie. But it, it, it's killing me right now. Like, you, you sound like those racist jerks from Holes when they... <laughs> I mean, yeah, not wrong. I mean, it, it's just a Deep South accent, kind of. I don't know. Somebody better versed in southern accents tell me what i'm doing i just do stuff i hear from movies i don't actually know where they're from um yeah claire's madonna she's gonna pretend that <laughs> she's british for a little bit mr cuff i'm sure you're just a grateful citizen of wizarding britain eager to display your gratitude aren't you absolutely miss granger absolutely he beamed his attention flickering to harry every four seconds Maya nodded, but then frowned. Unfortunately, we've come to lodge a small complaint with the paper. See, two dear friends of ours were so excited about their engagement and were very saddened to find that, that a piece of gossip was plastered all over the front page of the Daily Prophet, effectively stealing their thunder. Barnabas flushed red and scratched the back of his neck nervously. Ah, yes, uh, yes, Skeeter's piece. Yes, Miss Skeeter and I have a past, Maya said thoughtfully, as I'm sure you're well aware, Mr. Cuff. Barnabas cleared his throat, suddenly realizing that this was not a social visit. See, Miss Granger, th the thing is, Rita Skeeter used to bring in a lot of readers. The Daily Prophet lost quite a bit of, well, <clears throat> profit during the war. Skeeter's not the kindest person there is, but she's always been a bloody good reporter, and people pay attention to what she says. Harry scoffed loudly, angrily shoving his glasses up his nose and then crossing his arms. I'm well aware that people pay attention to what she says, Maya replied, but let's overlook Rita Skeeter for a moment, sir. Y you're telling me that your company is having problems because of the war? 
she asked, her tone filled with concern. Losing money? He bowed his head. Yes, miss. That's terrible, she gasped, placing her hand against her chest in a move that Narcissa Malfoy would have considered well-practiced manipulation. Isn't that just terrible, Harry? Harry glanced up, looking surprised that he was being brought back into the conversation. Before answering, he looked down at Maya's hands as though he were expecting black birds to emerge from her wand and start attacking the man in front of them. Um, yeah, I guess. Maya turned her attention back to Cuff. Tell me, sir, was the Daily Prophet attacked at all during the war? The building, your employees, your family? Not so much, no, Cuff said. No family of my own, just me, actually. And as for the employees, there, there were a few muggle-borns that I had to let go of, he said, and then whispered, for their own protection, you see. My, you know what, now I'm glad I used this accent, because he sounds like every racist dickhead from, like, and again, this is nothing against people with southern accents, but he, the, the what I'm picturing in my head is like that, you know, racist mayor who gets called out on being a racist and is like, I wasn't racist, I was doing it for their protection. And the fuck you were. Anywho. <clears throat> Maya dipped her head to him. Of course, it was so good of you to think of them. Her brows raised slightly, surprised, when Cuff humbly nodded. Clearly, he was unable to pick up on what she thought was obvious sarcasm. Sirius leaned to the side and whispered to Harry, this is about to get really bad. Harry shook his head. I don't get it. She doesn't even look angry. Remus snorted. She looks like Doria. Now, Maya said, looping her arm through Cuff's in a friendly gesture as she ignored the whispered conversation that all three knew she was capable of hearing. Cuff blushed, clearly making plans in his head to retell the story later about how Harry Potter walked into his office and Hermione Granger, the most famous muggle-born ever and the brightest witch of the age, actually held onto his arm. I say we put all this mess behind us and start fresh, yes? That's good and kind of you, Miss Granger. In fact, I insist that the Daily Prophet be the very first to have an exclusive interview with myself and Sirius. She smiled, releasing Cuff and making her way to Sirius's chair where she delicately perched herself on the arm, knowing that, instinctively, her wizard would place a possessive hand on her back or thigh, which was exactly what he did. I'm certain it would bring back a great deal of your readership. Maya watched as Cuff's eyes widened at the intimate display, likely seeing the cover of the next Daily Prophet in his vision. Perhaps even an interview with Harry? She was not sure if he even tried to contain it, but a gleeful giggle escaped from the man's mouth. Harry frowned. Hermione, what are you... Exclusive? Really? Cuff asked. I insist. In fact, I'm going to put a great deal of personal effort into the restoration of the Daily Prophet, Maya said, as though the thought just occurred to her. Hands-on interest, investments, improvements, she paused and frowned. Of course, Rita will have to be let go. Cuffed waved off the suggestion as though Rita Skeeter were the last thing on his mind. Of course, we don't need her anyway. What with you lot helping out? Absolutely. In fact... Maya said, as she stood to face the older wizard. When I own this place, I'll make it my personal mission to let her go so that you won't have to. I imagine you've built quite a rapport with her over the years. 
Cuff's smile briefly faltered, and he looked bewildered. Uh, What? When you... When I own the Daily Prophet, Maya repeated, with a saccharine smile, pausing to observe his furrowed brows. Oh, you're confused? That's sweet. He opened his mouth, looking like he wanted to object, but one glance at Sirius had him shutting his jaw so quickly that his teeth snapped. Maya found it interesting that he did not see the real threat standing in front of him. You see, not only have you willingly employed an unregistered animagus who is known for trespassing in order to acquire her stories, she noted the lack of shock on Cuff's face, indicating that he had, in fact, known about Rita's illegal animagi form. You've also published slanderous material in regards to several well-known war heroes, not to mention the blundering mess that the Daily Prophet was pulled into during the war by publishing anti-muggle and blood-purist propaganda. Mr. Cuff, I plan on taking the Daily Prophet before the Wizengamot, where I will sue you for every last galleon you've ever earned by printing my name, the names of my family or anyone else I happen to be in association with for defamation of character. The color drained from Cuff's face, and he took a step backward to catch himself on the edge of the desk, staring in shock as Maya stepped close to him. You, you can't do that. Sirius laughed, loudly. Oh, she really can. Would you like me to track down a solicitor for you, kitten? Maya shook her head. Thank you, love, but I believe I promised Mr. Cuff here that I would put my personal effort into the restoration of the Daily Prophet. Hands-on interest. It's been quite some time since I've been inside the ministry, though. And in front of the wisdom gamut, no less. Harry, do you think it would be considered tacky to wear my Order of Merlin during court proceedings? I don't want to come across as prideful, but the shine of it does bring out my eyes, don't you think? When they finally left the offices of the Daily Prophet, Barnabas Cuff was in hysterical tears, begging to keep his job. Maya offered him one in the owlry department, to which he scrunched up his nose in disgust and mistakenly brought up the fact that he was a pureblood, as though that meant he was above such things. So what are you going to do with the Daily Prophet, Hermione? Harry asked, shaking his head in disbelief as they walked away from the building. I actually hadn't thought about it. The threat kind of came out of nowhere, she admitted with a laugh. So you're not really going to sue? Oh, I am absolutely going to sue them. I'd run the whole place into the ground if it didn't have so many employees, and they can't all be bad, she admitted. Maybe I'll see if Luna and her father want to take over. Right, then. I'm off to the ministry to report an unregistered animagus. Harry gestured to the glass jar he had slipped into the pocket of his robes. See you lot at home? Maya reached out and took Sirius's hand. Actually, I'm stealing him away for a date. Is that so? Sirius grinned. And where are we off to, kitten? A place not for Harry's ears, she said in a loud staged whisper, chuckling when Harry groaned and rolled his eyes at her. Honestly, Ginny and I have never been as bad as the pair of you, he insisted, and then waved to them all, turning and disapparating away. You going to tell me where you're really off to? Remus asked Maya. Harry doesn't know you well enough to know when you're purposely hiding something. You've attacked and kidnapped a reporter, made a grown wizard cry, and it's not even noon. Who are you off to torment next? Maya smiled softly. 
Plausible deniability, Remus. Noted, he said with an anxious sigh. Please, just try not to get into too much trouble. I'm married to an oar, and I feel like she'd be cross with me if the two of you got arrested for something. I solemnly swear to you, Remus, we will not get caught. He groaned and turned away from her, disapparating on the spot. Sirius kissed her cheek. What dastardly plans do you have, my love? Where are we off to? Maya took a deep breath inside, her amusement fading as she said, Little whinging. That's where Harry grew up. That's where Privet Drive is. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, today's shower thought. Um, oh yeah, that's where I was going with that tangent earlier. Um, when I was filling out the paperwork at the doctor's office for the MRI, uh, they asked for a home phone number. And I guess I'm curious if anybody who bought a house after, I'm trying to think, smartphones really started to come up on the rise in 2009. And I think by 2012, 2013, everyone had them. We'll say 2013. So I want to know if anybody bought a house after 2013 still got a home phone or if all you have now is cell phones. Well, I think some people have to have a home phone because I believe some security systems require you oh, to have do a they? home phone. I think so. Huh. So, because I've heard some people say, like, well, I have to have a home phone because my security system requires me to. So mm. I think it just depends on what you have. But yes, I think some people do. It may not be for like use, but yeah. it's just because it makes them. Yeah, it just cracked me up that I was able to get a hold of my parents during um, the hurricane when the power was out because they've got one of those old style phones with like the push buttons. Um, that's yeah. not electronic at all. They used to have a rotary phone. That was hilarious. Um, but anyway, alrighty. Well, uh, with that, let's go ahead and thank the patrons. Our November foxes are Muggle Trucker, Tyler Maria, Anthony, Professor Magana Got It Going On, Claire Soothes My ADHD Goblin Brain, Tori, Stacy, Patrick, Leanne, Camille, Martina, Shannon, Atlas, Sandra, Morgan, Nicole, Kayla, Claire, Amber, Jordan. Sarah, Crystal, Kenny, Ryland, Carissa, April, Kaylin, Carly, Diana, Karina, Melissa, Kara, Audrey, Sarah, another one for the baby drawer, Ryder, Tessa, Cauldron Mist, and Samantha. Thank you so much to all of our patrons. We appreciate it. We couldn't do it without you. Um, And I do want to say that we are coming up on a holiday that used to be based in something that we are not going to discuss anymore, but I do like the idea of being thankful every year for the people around you, and I really fucking like turkey and thanks and stuffing and the fact that i get thursday and friday off paid um so i don't want to lose and you get to see my pretty pretty face and i get to see cat's pretty pretty face this year which i am very excited about um i don't know if we're going to do an in-person episode just because i'll be down there with family and that kind of stuff and it's kind of hard to get away for an hour and a half two hours of just us um and frankly if i'm going to spend two hours with cat solo in key west i'd much rather go to like santiago's and get tapas um yeah so and i can't wait to see the baby on the sand that's gonna make me yes, so happy yes. I want we will to see record the baby on the sand the sand we will record the baby on the sand but i just want to know what face he's going to make i just have this vision and i want to know if it's going to come true <laughs> but anyway um 
I, I do appreciate that you guys have been patient with the slow rollout. Part of it obviously is what I mentioned that, you know, my tongue screwed up and then we've had issues with internet being out, power being out, uh, trying to coordinate schedules, not being able to record when we could coordinate schedules because children were turning into demons. Um, Hannah Beth has had her own stuff going on with work and kid and all that kind of stuff. So it has just been insane on all three of us um, to try and get episodes out. But I also think a small part of it, maybe subconsciously, is dreading ending the season. If we procrastinate, then it doesn't end. Yeah, well, you know what? Even though I don't really want it to end, I want it to end because I got to freaking know what happened because <laughs> I think I'm going to feel so stupid and be like, why didn't I see that coming? So that's why I'm excited because I want to know how this freaking thing ends. Also, can we just appreciate that I am playing emotional Russian roulette with this book because there there is a scene coming up and everybody knows what I'm talking about. Um, it involves a silencing spell and I am going to fucking lose it when we get to that scene and I don't know what chapter it is. I don't know the number and I don't know the name of the chapter. And I am purposefully not looking ahead to see what the chapter names are. And I thought a couple of times we were going to read it and then it wasn't. And I don't know when it's coming. And the closer we get to the end of the season, the more like anxious I'm getting. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to fucking cry tonight. And then I don't. And it's great. But um, yeah, no, I am... At first, I was like, oh, I'll look ahead to see what it is. But now that I've gone this long without looking ahead, I'm like, fuck it. I, I'm just going to be blindsided. Let's do this. So <laughs> anyway, it'll be fun. But uh, with that, we will see you next. Fire Whiskey Friday. Watcha. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire Whiskey and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, FWHpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday. Mm-hmm.